Welcome to A Street in Lockdown. This podcast is an insight into the lives of people who live in and around one road and how the COVID-19 outbreak has affected them. I'm Jane Vickers and live in West Hove on the UK's south coast. Though neighbours, I'd never met most of the people taking part and because of the rules around social distancing, all the conversations you'll hear were virtual. I hope it's not too long until we can meet face to face. But in the meantime, this is a street in lockdown. Hi, I'm Vicky Bogle and I live on St Leonard's Road in Hove. I'm the events uh, coordinator and fundraiser for Middle Street Synagogue in Brighton, which is a grade two star listed building and which um, I'm helping to evolve into a Jewish museum for Brighton and Hove. And um, I obtain most of my income through uh, working on properties, doing development and also renting out some properties in Wales. So, Vicky, just describe what life was like before coronavirus. Really busy. (laughs) (laughs) Insanely busy because um, some of our houses in Wales had some issues, like we had some tenants move out and trash them. So we were rushing up and down to Wales the whole time and painting and cleaning and all that sort of thing. And then also um, I was doing things at Middle Street Synagogue, so I was putting together the programme of events for March to May. (laughs) So I'd just done that and we just run our first event at the beginning of March and and then uh, all the coronavirus happened. So we had to just cancel everything. Um, all the private tours, the school tours, all the events, the films. We were we've just had um this week actually we've just had uh, Yom Hashoah, which is um the Jewish day of of remembering the Holocaust, and I had a whole program of events planned for that. So it's it's all been quite a change. But actually, it was it was really nice on on Monday. I think it was Monday Yom Hashoah on the twentieth, and um. Because we did, because we couldn't get together in groups as in the community, um, there was a very large uh, online meeting put together by my one of my friends, Marie van der Zyl, who's who's the president of the uh, board of deputies of British Jews in the UK, and that was an amazing, amazing evening. She she got people from all over the world to talk. Um, we had people like uh, Ruben Rivlin, who's the president of Israel. We had um, the Israeli ambassador. We had Prince Charles. We had um, Sakir Starmer, someone who was was talking on behalf of Boris Johnson. Had a, a lot of people who were Holocaust survivors and their families. And it was just such an incredible event. And there were people in their in their rooms everywhere um just playing um like there was there was a couple who and she was on the violin he was on the piano and they were playing music and that was and that was coming across on the zoom call so it was it was even though we couldn't be together physically i felt that that what they did was actually above and beyond it 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 had another dimension and it brought yeah. together a lot of people who otherwise wouldn't have come together on that night so that that was that was a pretty incredible um evening and and we 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 like we like everyone lights a candle for for someone who um was a victim in the holocaust and um everyone was lighting their candles at the same time and 
And, and it was just so lovely. So we saw everyone else lighting their candles and it was just this wonderful event. And it, it really brought a lot of light um, into into the homes. And then also on the, <clears throat> we had Passover um, a few weeks ago. And that's one of our highlights so of the Jewish calendar. So normally we it's like um you know, at Christmas time for Christian people you get together and have a big family event. Well we do that on the first night of, of Passover, that's called the Seder. And of course people couldn't do that, so they were all really sad and really isolated. But then it was amazing because um some of the rabbis put on a Zoom call. So one of my rabbis, Rabbi Ellie and her wife, were being filmed at home leading the, this this service from their home and we were all joining in in our homes so there are lots of ritual foods that you eat so they prepared their ritual foods we and every household prepared their own ritual foods and we all ate them at the same time and that was that was a really delightful evening really very special so that's incredible isn't it how people different communities uh different friendship groups you know, families are, are finding these alternatives to that face-to-face contact. Thank God for technology. Yeah, it's funny because sometimes it's really ropey. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, and it can accentuate the, the distance that you have from people, can't it? So, so on that on that day, the first, first night of Passover, I actually did two Seder nights, one in the evening with the rabbi and my community here in Brighton Hove, and the other one uh, was with my cousin who lives in Australia and her friends in Australia, my friends who I know from Australia. So we were doing the same night. So it was, it was 10 o'clock in the morning for me, but it was their evening in Australia. So, and, and, and then we had, I think we had someone joining us as well from America. So that was, that was quite incredible. And it wouldn't have happened if it hadn't have been for the virus. So that, that's very interesting, all these different dimensions um, yeah. which are opening up to us, which which we wouldn't normally be using. Like a lot of the older generation, like, I mean, sort of 70s, 80s, are coming up to speed with technology. And I know some people in, in the Jewish community are doing like online tutorials for the older generation to, to learn how to use Zoom, so learn how to use Skype so they won't be so isolated. It's yeah. really, really good. Um, I want to talk about you 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 coughed there Vicky and and I guess that's a prompt for me to talk about your own health because I know that I mean you're you have been quite unwell haven't you and we are in a global pandemic it is fifth week into lockdown uh you believe pretty strongly don't you that you have had the virus yeah I mean I've spoken to my GP and he said that it it was the I've had the symptoms so um, basically, when did we go into lockdown? The 23rd? Yeah. I was beginning to feel, I felt a bit ropey that week, but I was, I've been, my mum's moving down beneath us, actually. Um, she bought the flat underneath ours at auction, and she's been in self-isolation in London. So we're desperate to get her here because it's healthier for her here than it is for her in London. She's 84. So the week before, I was desperately trying to, to organise tradespeople and everything to come and work and, and all the suppliers were closing down, all the tradespeople were closing down. That's been a another challenge I could talk about, actually. It's quite interesting. Anyway, <coughs> so I was working very hard on that, but also feeling a bit ropey in the first week. And then but on the Sunday, I started to feel really crappy. Just um, I didn't have anything really severely, but I had everything. Do you know what I mean? So 
I had fever and chills, which was sort of coming and going, sore throat, coughing, um, exhaustion, absolute exhaustion. I think for me, that's that's the number one sort of indicator of the, the illness is the exhaustion that comes with it. You just can't do anything. And, um, and then we all went into lockdown because I'm here with my husband and my two grown-up sons who are 23 and 24. Luckily, I've had stockpiled some food not a huge amount but enough that if we had to go into quarantine for a couple of weeks we'd have food which was a very good idea and so um I felt really bad really weak just sort of lay around for the first week but the worst thing was not being able to to speak to anyone like I didn't know if I could speak to my GP or not or if they were overburdened so I didn't call them I didn't call 111 because um loads of people were saying that it was massively inundated and that we shouldn't call anyway unless we were like on death's door and I spoke to my my daughter lives in London and she's in a household where her her housemate is actually a doctor who works in any so I spoke to her and she said oh um don't call 111 unless you you can't breathe so I thought oh well I can (laughs) I can breathe but I you know I it was the first because it was so early on because there wasn't that much information yet out yet, I was trying to sort of piece together whatever I could, and um, and I I didn't know at that stage if when you get the virus it progresses and you you go really really downhill until you end up getting worse and worse and worse and end up on a ventilator. So um, I've since gleaned actually through anecdotal evidence that from myself and other people that. It depends on the viral load that you get initially, like um, how much virus there is in the air or whatever it is you're touching. And then if you get a very bad dose, then it's very bad the whole way through and then you're at risk or if you have underlying health issues. But if you don't get that much viral load to start off with, you have a relatively mild case. So I didn't know that. So there's me sitting there at home. Like, and then, like, the social media, absolute blind panic everywhere you look in social media. The news, just, like, every 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 news broadcast was bad news, bad news, bad news, all these people dying and everything. And I was like, oh, my God, am I going to die? And there was such fear. I think that was the whole thing, such incredible fear to have a disease, which is a global p- pandemic and where people all over the world are dying. And it's, yeah. And to think... Is this a very real possibility? Am I going to survive? You know, is this going to get worse? And one night I was literally vomiting all night. Oh, it's just horrible, really horrible. And then, and then also, um, what I noticed from myself and I've spoken to other people is that wherever you have a weakness in your body, the the virus just attacks. So any sort of achy joint or anything that's any injury you've got that hasn't quite healed, it'll start hurting again. So that was quite interesting. I'm interested in hearing what you, you said there that you really th- feared that you might die. Have you yes. ever have you ever felt that before? Well, oh yes, I've had pneumonia and been in hospital with pneumonia in Spain when we lived there. And I was actually on oxygen then um and at intravenous antibiotics. <coughs> And then that, and then I, so I went in um, to hospital for pneumonia, and I came out with TB. Even though I have been vaccinated against TB as a child, but um, I, I, I had TB for some reason. 
so that you know there was all of that and then the fear that that had scarred my lungs and then it, that would make me more vulnerable but apparently it doesn't because that was 18 years ago apparently it it doesn't make you more at risk which is good but I was very scared that I would develop pneumonia which I actually did do I did develop pneumonia so you've been in a lot of well you've suffered you've you've been suffering you sound still I can still hear the tightness in your chest a bit actually it's not as bad as it was yeah I mean, basically, um, so the the COVID sort of went and I felt like I was getting better, but my chest was just like tight. I could feel like around the back and my on my back and at the edges of my lungs, I could feel a tightness and a soreness the whole time. And then um, then I started to get an infection. I got an infection in my nose and then my lungs got worse and I did phone my GP and he said, oh, it sounds like you need some antibiotics. Um, and I could feel myself that it was developing into pneumonia. So I've just taken a course of antibiotics for a week and this is like the first day I'm feeling okay, really. Oh, good. Um, but that whole thing that you were talking about, about, did you respond to that fear in any way? Did you check that your will was in place? Did you make some important calls? What effect did it have on you? I was very scared. Um, so I was trying to, <laughs> trying to like, the first, I think the first night, couple of nights, I thought I might be getting it. I just, I just drank loads of wine and tried to forget about it. <laughs> so I think the Friday night and the Saturday night, I just polished off about a half bottle of wine each night to try and like, and then I felt fine. But then on the Sunday, I was like, oh, okay, crashed completely. So... So I think I kept going to my husband, oh, my God, I think I might die. And he's going, you're being ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about your family setup and what that's been like. I mean, obviously, you've been very ill. Putting that to one side, I mean, the whole thing about not going out and the staying at home. And obviously, we can go out for one exercise, uh, one piece of exercise a day. What's that been like for you? Well, we all we all work from home anyway, so it, nothing's really changed. My son works outside the home, and he's furloughed at the moment, so he's actually going a bit stir-crazy. But he will go and spend the afternoon on the beach, on him, his, himself go for long walks and, you know, just go out because he, he finds he's going mad at home. Um, the other son will go swimming in the sea, he'll go running, he'll go for a 10-mile run. Um, my husband has been off for walks but he's at the moment downstairs in the flat he's fitting a kitchen for my mum so she can move in so so he gets a lot of exercise that way and he'll he'll go down to the sea unfortunately I haven't been able to do very much I mean I haven't I can get down to the end of the road um and then my lungs start to hurt so I haven't actually st I haven't actually been out for the last couple of days I've just been sitting in the garden um but I do need to get back into exercising it's been I've actually quite apart from being ill it's been really nice to to have a bit of a break from everything because with all the fundraising the events management and everything I've been doing it's been really exhausting so it's actually been quite nice in fact one of my sons he said to me this is really quite nice mum just not having anything to do just being at home you know so um yeah it's like pressure's off isn't it yeah <coughs> I miss my daughter yeah. Is that the hardest thing? Is that the hardest thing about all of this? Yeah, really, really. I miss her. She's in London. And the problem is because she's, I, she's, she's at home and she's, because she's with this 
her housemate's a doctor on A&E. She doesn't want to come um, down to visit. I, I said to her, why don't you come here? You know, you could move and, you know, spend some time here with us. And she was like, well, I don't want to give you anything, mum. So that's that's very sad. And also my niece up in London has had it. So, so my sister's household's been infected. So my mum has been very isolated up in London. But we have been having incredibly long conversations every day about kitchen fittings and carpet and things, which so I feel that we've had an enormous amount of contact, so that's okay. And I guess when you think about how we've all changed, I mean, we're all experiencing this in different ways. You yourself have have had it by all accounts. Um, And, you know, we're all adjusting to this new way of life. Have you observed anything in other people since lockdown? Just a heap of fear. People are so scared. Yeah, people are so scared of it. And where's where's that? Is that just from conversations with people, or or a feeling that you've got? No, no, it's conversations with people because I I speak to people a lot, you know, and I'm on social media, and um, the 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 fear's gone. It's not as bad as it was, you know. A lot of people are just you know sending over jokes and trying to keep each other's spirits up now. But especially in the first week or two, it was like blind panic everywhere. And even speaking to my cousin in Australia. And they've only had about, at that point, they'd only had about 12, 12 people die in Australia. But like the fear and the lockdown and, and the pressure everywhere has been so intense. We were in Hungary, actually, um, just before the lockdown here, the week before we went, we were in Hungary. Wow. Yeah, uh, at the Jewish Museum there. And um, and they, they went into lockdown much before before we did here so we were we're in Hungary and like everything's closing down and people were terrified yeah um and it was really weird because we met with these people I'd never met them before and I but I, I had spoken to her before and um that was Eva and her husband Gabor and um couldn't understand why Gabor was sitting so far away from us I said like, this is really weird oh, really? <laughs> yeah so so he was already practicing social distancing even though <laughs> that's interesting isn't it i wonder i also did you see that those astronauts returned from the space station uh, no, th- a couple of weeks ago or last week i think it was yeah. and they'd been up there some of them had been up there six months and one of them had been up uh, on the space station for nine months and they yeah. arrived on earth with this completely different environment it must have felt like that you arriving in hungary was the equivalent of the astronauts landing off the space station so <laughs> we had all these all these meetings set up um and then things were closing and people were cancelling meetings and it was just like really peculiar yeah so what about the positives is there some things that you think actually i'm potentially could we take forward do you think as a as a as a community i think there's loads of different levels on the on the on the very you know the very local level i love the way that um someone's well i think dan isn't one of our neighbors uh, made the st leonard's uh, facebook group and it's been so active and i love the way people are posting oh i'm getting rid of this does anyone want it come pick it up and <laughs> You know, it's yeah, just, it's so wonderful, and I yeah. think that there's a plan, isn't there, on the eighth of May to have a street party. So that that's been really wonderful, and we've been very, very blessed to have such good weather, haven't we? Um, yeah. So and I'm, you know, that then there's the clapping for the NHS. It's on the Thursday nights, 
And and the first night we did it, um, when we went out, and it was before the clocks changed, so it was pitch black. We went out the front of our house at like eight o'clock, and we were like, is anyone else there? Because <laughs> we couldn't see anyone, because it was dark. <laughs> like, is anyone else going to clap? <laughs> or are we going to be the only idiots here clapping? Anyway, so we started clapping, then I'm... The whole street was clapping, and it was so magical um, because mm. there was there was no there was no car noise. It was just clapping, and it was almost like you could hear it echoing around for the streets and streets. It was beautiful, really very magical. And then, um, so that that's been very lovely. Um, I was sad though because uh, when Boris Johnson was in hospital, there was a thing to clap for him on um, on the Tuesday evening, a clap for the prime minister. You know, just just show support really for someone who's ill and who's got a pregnant wife who's also got who who at that point also had the virus so um just on a sort of personal tragedy level clapping for them showing our support so I, I posted that on the page and and yet no one else went and clapped it was only the three of us clapping outside our house and that was that was disappointing actually because uh, I it was disappointing to see that politics came before humanity almost at that point um, I mean, my prayer for this is that the gains that we've made as a human family that we should keep. I mean, the the lack of war, the lack of terrorist attacks, the lack of hatred for each other on that level um, has really it, it is really amazing. It's really inspiring, um, and I really, really hope that that carries on because we have made gains. You know, we haven't had hardly any anti-Semitic attacks, we haven't had terror attacks, all that has just gone, hasn't it, which has been mm. so beautiful. I mean, if we can do yeah. it for coronavirus, why can't we do it every day? Yeah. Have there been any specific challenges that the Jewish community have faced in the, the wake of coronavirus that you're aware of that isn't that is specific to any kind of rituals? You talked there about not the festivals, Anything else that would be quite interesting and an insight into a, a world that a lot of people might not know about? Well, I think there's this there's this whole thing, isn't there, about um, anti-Semitism and the Labour Party. And, um, yes, <coughs> I, mean, I was... We hosted um, the Jewish Labour Movement at Middle Street Synagogue last September, and I was running that event with, um, with them. And... Um, we met. We met everyone. Um, Sadiq Khan came down from London, um, and then Dame Louise, Dame Margaret Hodge was talking. Dame Louise Elman, uh, Ruth Smith, um, Alex Sobel. I mean, loads and loads of speakers there. And it is a re- a very real thing. I know people like to deny it, but it, it is a very real thing, a very upsetting thing. And so um, during this lockdown, Sakir Starmer actually uh, became Labour Party leader. So um, we're waiting to see actually what happens there, um, if there are actually any changes. Um, I mean, I know he's making the right noises that he wants to um, eradicate anti-Semitism in the Labour Party, and I've heard that his wife's Jewish, so I shouldn't see why he shouldn't do that. But, of course, the proof of the pudding's in the eating. You know, it's easy to um, say things, but he's got to actually do things. And I think uh, people won't actually trust... The Jewish community won't actually trust the Labour Party again until things, until actions start to be taken, not just nice words. Mm. And uh, what else? Yes, um, Fiona Sharp um, 
organised a lot of things in the Jewish community. She's very political, very politically active for us, and she's amazing. And she organised, she's been organising Zoom calls uh, for the Jewish community in Sussex on a Sunday evening. And a couple of weeks ago, Peter Kyle uh, was on the Zoom call. Uh, that's our local MP, local Labour MP. And we uh, we were asking him loads of questions about what was going to happen with Sakir Starmer and that sort of thing, how the Labour Party was going to change. So that that's been that's been really big for us. Which which is sort of it's almost like it's sort of been a bit eclipsed by the lockdown, but um, we'll see what happens there. What's the first thing that you'll do when all this is over? If there's going to be a moment of it being over, it could be phased. But if st- things started to loosen up and you could do, assuming you could do what you could do before lockdown, what would be the first thing that you'll do when it's um, when it's over? I think I'll visit my friends and my family. Um, I've got a lot of elderly friends who are in their 80s and they're I speak to them quite a lot I phone them quite regularly and and we send each other messages and things and they're all very desperate and very lonely so I think it'd be nice to just be able to to go and see them give them a hug don't know how many weeks they're going to have to be in lockdown still um it'd be nice to see my daughter and then once the lockdown's over I need to um put together the whole event schedule again <laughs> so sorry oh you just put together the whole thing like the entire thing we were going to have like in we were going to do a massive amount of things for the Brighton Fringe and it was like all the time and energy went into organizing all of that and months and months of work putting that all together and then all of a sudden it's not happening so now it's like we've done all that and then, now I've got to do it again <coughs> yeah. and then also um take up again with all the the fundraising efforts where I was at before so um I think that's going to be it's been nice to sort of put that to one side for a little bit to have a bit of a break so picking that up again is going to be interesting and I hope we haven't actually lost momentum and do you think you'll soon be back on your feet fully hopefully Vicky I hope so. It's been really depressing because everyone else has been getting fit. Really? <laughs> not, not everyone. <laughs> so many of my friends have been going like, oh, I've been doing all these workouts, you know, I'm doing Zumba and Pilates and it's all free and it's all online. And I'm like, well, I can't even walk to the bottom of the road, you know. <laughs> so, so I just, I, I really want, I'd, I feel like my fitness has like slipped back massively. So I'd like to regain my health and strength. And, yeah. Um, I feel like I'm starting from four steps back, whereas everyone else is now 10 steps further than they were before. So, um, yeah, I just want, I just want to get healthy and be able to breathe properly and um, feel strong again. And any particular food that you're looking forward to having again that you haven't been able to get hold of? Or maybe you've been too poorly to think about food. Yes, it's been weird, hasn't it? Because if you, like, if someone goes to the shops, you go, get some tin tomatoes. <laughs> yes. It's the tomatoes, isn't it? Tins of tomatoes, baked beans, all the staples. Um worrying about toilet paper in fact my son just came back with a nine pack of toilet paper from from the mns petrol station i was like oh my god you're amazing so it's just like things like that um we're not great foodies anyway but um it's been like 
it's been interesting, hasn't it? Because you're you're going, oh well, um, I've got this food, I've got this much of this, but and then I find myself going, well, that butternut squash is for that meal, so we won't use it on anything else. Do you know what I mean? And those tomatoes yeah. are for that meal, and that tin of tomatoes. So like my husband did some cooking. He used two tins of tomatoes instead of one. I went, that other tin was, <laughs> was for another meal. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, um, is there anything else, Vicky, that you think you'd like to share? I'm very grateful to all those people who are still working. Um, wow, NHS staff, Tesco's staff, Tesco's. I'm, I'm not going to go back in there until the end of this because uh, the social distancing is uh, not good enough there. <laughs> I, feel that, I feel that it's a recipe for getting um, COVID. It is, it is, isn't it? They're doing their best, but you do feel that there's no way that you can keep two meters apart from people it's just a bit too small that store isn't it even the one in i went to the one in hove before the lockdown and the week before the lockdown and seriously people were queuing in the aisles so they were queuing for the cash desk but they the queues were going back along the aisles so everyone was shopping you're waiting the queue in the aisle so i was waiting i was in the spirits aisle next to the whiskey and um and there's people coming like bending right over me leaning right over me to get a bottle of whiskey <laughs> and I'm with yeah. there's no social distancing here and then the the you know the, the poor people working there um it's just like <laughs> how are you going to avoid this so I think there's probably uh, as much risk of getting um COVID going to Tesco's as there is in a hospital you know so things yeah. like that um I wish people were more aware I think there's a lot of people who aren't very aware and a lot of the younger generation that don't really care so I wish the younger generation would sort of think well I'm going to be okay but I might give it to someone who's older and then they might die and one of my friends has just died of it so that was a terrible loss oh my goodness I didn't realize that yeah who was that a lovely friend of mine Bar, and she'd had pneumonia actually at the end of last year and um she had underlying health conditions. She had a weakened immune system, and she died um, a few weeks ago in Portsmouth. God, how awful! And I, quite a few people I know have had it now. Two of the local rabbis, my niece, my my brother-in-law, myself. I I don't know how all my family of you know uh, my husband and my kids haven't got it. I think I'm so grateful they haven't. Very very pleased. Well, Vicky, thank you very much for your time. I hope that you uh, continue to get better and maybe when this is all over we can actually meet uh, I'll recognise you from your picture on the Skype call <laughs> um, and thank you again for your time I really appreciate it and maybe we can talk again uh, let's see how long this all lasts because I might come back and speak to people again but in the meantime thank you and thank you i very very grateful to you for doing this project i think it's an amazing thing you've you've felt inspired to do and you're putting together and it's it's a wonderful capsule of of history of time of this of this point in time that people can learn from and enjoy in the future so if anyone in the future is listening to this i hope you've enjoyed it <laughs> Thanks for listening to A Street in Lockdown. For more stories, go to astreetinlockdown.co.uk.